Hey friend, it's David Dubinsky here in New York City. So excited for this special podcast episode. Uh, this is a curated episode with six clips from prior episodes. The first three are around starting and having important conversations. The next three are around finding clients, getting clients. Um, and so the goal of this episode is to help you theoretically go from zero to your own freelance consulting independent clients. So starting from scratch could be from one email to then having client work and building your portfolio career. So as always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can also subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and community source to opportunities. Now on to the episode with the first clip from Wes Keo from episode number 117. And you're able to, uh, one, one concept of mine that I think about is this idea of how we're kind of one email away from serendipity, luck, a new friend, collaborator, et cetera. Are you able to maybe speak to about an email that has maybe changed your path a little bit? Definitely. There are so many examples of emails like this. I think the biggest takeaway from those emails, the ones that worked and led to a connection versus the ones that didn't is thinking up front about how I can add value. I think so many of us have sent out cold emails as outreach, and we've also gotten a ton of them, but thinking ahead about how can I make it worth this person's time? How can I show that hopping on a call or doing a meeting or interacting is going to be, is going to be worthwhile? So I think this is so important to keep in mind because with, with any kind of outreach, there's not a lot of trust yet, right? Like you send out a cold email, you're asking for 30 minutes of someone's time to pick their brain or whatever. I know that phrase is no longer used. So, um, but you know, asking for, Hey, let's connect. And when you receive something like that, you're a little skeptical. Who is this person? What do they want? Right? Like what ulterior motives do they have? Is this going to be a waste of my time? Um, and we've all been burned before where it was a waste of time. So my biggest lesson in, in outreach emails, um, whether they be emails or, you know, Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs that led to um, good friendships with people that I regularly talk to now that never would have happened is making sure that you show value upfront. Great. And now this next clip is from Jay Klaus from episode number 104. The first part there is really interesting. And this, that's, this idea that I've been thinking about recently is how to approach a catch up. Uh, call. It's not a, hey, I want to talk about this. Are you interested in that? But it's more of a a catch-up call. And I love how you say being open, being kind of making it a two-sided conversation. I feel like the catch-up call is a hard thing. I, I know I struggle with it sometimes where I'm used to wanting to express interest in this, offer help with that. And I know that I'm missing a wide swath of a potential conversation. Yeah, I think you I think you should just approach everything like an empathetic fact-finding mission. You know, don't go in it with any pretense of pitching. You can certainly try to anticipate directions that might go and plan for them, but I like to go into conversations and be really open 
and not have much of an agenda other than trying to listen deeply and identify problems that I or my clients can help with. And so it really is just asking, how are you doing? And what feels hard about this right now? And what are you struggling with? And sometimes those answers are very painful for the person and not at all the core of what you do, but are within your capabilities. And you can make that offer to, to help them out. I think the enemy of any sales call or potential sales call is coming off as thirsty anyway. This is a really bad time to come off as thirsty, mm. you know? So go in and um, just assume that it's going to be nothing and listen intently and ask empathetic questions. And, you know, more times than not, that becomes more productive anyway, because people want to support one another. They don't want to support people who um, seem predatory in some way, you know? Yeah. Empathetic fact-finding. I'm going to use that. I like that a lot. It's a good, <laughs> I've never said it before, <laughs> so I'm going to use it more now too. <laughs> Great. And this next clip is from Tony Bacicalupo from episode 110. I love how you talked about this idea about this shared language and shared need to then uncover collaboration, opportunities, et cetera. Could you maybe speak to that a little bit more in terms of what that kind of looks like when people are trying to figure out what's next? Uh, how, 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 can they, how can they take their existing work to the next level? Yeah, maybe talk to us a little bit more about that. About uh, like finding collaboration opportunities? Yeah. Yeah, I think that a lot of it comes down to trying to get yourself into the right kinds of places. And I think it's it's easy to kind of just kind of sit back and be a consumer and get kind of down on yourself watching other people put stuff out there. And what you want to try to do is put yourself in a place where people are pushing the envelope, they're having conversations about new things and um, where there's needs being expressed. And so if there are people who are talking about what's going on and talking about what's not happening and what needs to be happening, um, that's an invitation to have a deeper discussion. And if you're starting to find that in a given community or in a given kind of area of interest that there seems to be a consistent message amongst the people that you're hearing from, then you can start talking to those people about their thoughts about the problem. And a lot of times what you find is people actually have, sometimes people have no idea what to do about a problem. But a lot of times people have a pretty good idea of what to do about it. They just don't necessarily have the ability or the willpower to put that work into action. Great. And now that we've been having these amazing conversations or getting close to having these conversations, thinking about how to prepare for them and how to turn these conversations into proposals and opportunities is what we'll focus on next. This next clip is from Samantha Clark from episode 123, talking about how she got her first main marquee client as a happiness consultant, which then propelled her to do this work more and more since then. So you also mentioned happiness consultant. Um, so it's really interesting to me is how you've been doing it for five or six years or so kind of on your own. Um, and you kind of got a, your start a little bit for working at a tech company. Mm -hmm. um, maybe talk to us a little bit of how you were able to work with that marquee client and kind of really launch yourself into that work of happiness consulting. 
Mm. So I really do believe that happiness is like an ongoing journey and it has been, I guess, a passion for me to really discover what is my work happiness and it's taken different forms. And so I think, you know, moving from advertising and branding into making shoes and talking to people and just learning about them and seeing how work was really disrupting and changing and um, influencing and shaping their lives. And it just took me down a, a journey of learning and working in new ways in my portfolio. And so I kind of retrained as a coach. I was lecturing at the School of Life. I was still doing a bit of styling and shopping. And then I got the opportunity to work at this tech company. And I think for me, it was two things. One, I just saw lots of issues in the company. And I was just like, okay, so I seem to have like a toolkit of um, skills. I've got like coaching, I'm learning about philosophy, psychology, sociology. I'm looking at the dynamics, but I've also been speaking to people one-on-one who've come from lots of different cultures and these are the issues. And so this tech company were entirely remote and I just pitched the idea. I was like, do you know what? These are the issues. This is what I can do. And this is a, a solution I think I'd like to create for you. And I said, I'd be their head of happiness. And we, you know, said, okay, let's trial it. And I was there for two years. And for me, it was a lot of learning around what it is that makes us happy or fulfilled or feel joyful in our work and how do we manage that remotely which is so interesting in the times that we're in now and also um you know just taking the time to check in with people and to to talk to them um beyond just the title or the role that they sit in and i think after leaving there i was just really adamant that i wanted to help companies and individuals to have better conversations around work and our well-being and career progression and so I feel like I've always had feet in both camps working in the companies and working with the individuals because I feel like it's a two-way street and so you know if you help the company evolve their culture and the ecosystem and the, the behaviors and you also help the individuals have a sense of agency and purpose and voice then we can you know galvanize some change. And so you mentioned about proposing a, a scope of work or uh, a project that you'd want to work on. Was that, you know, just kind of like an email to the CEO or? No. <laughs> um, I would actually, there was a night that I organized and we'd all gone to a supper club. And I remember this was the seedling of when I planted the seed because it's not just I, I don't think you can just turn up with a proposal and it works out. I think you plant the seeds, you have the conversations, you build relationships, and there's a lot of highlighting the benefits for them. And we were talking and I just said, you know, I think there are some real gaps in the company. So I was talking to one of the founders, there's three of them. And I just said, there's some real gaps in the company. I think we need to try and do some different things. It's not going to be um, just smoothed over. The cracks can't be, you know, just blotted over doing this. I think we should try this. And we had a few more of those conversations. And, and then he was like, okay, well, you know, how do we move forward? And I was like, well, I might just plot it out as a little proposal and send it to you. Uh, and then, yeah, that's what I did. Great. And this clip is with Tom Critchlow from episode 111, talking about executive sparring, which is a type of work that is a combination of strategy and coaching for 
consultants to work with executives. In terms of generating inspiring clients, I think a lot of it is about exposing your thinking in public. And, and, and this is a distinction that I think a lot of um, freelancers and consultants and all kinds of independents uh, misunderstand is everyone aims to publish case studies. Everyone wants like, to be able to point to successful projects that they have done and brands they've worked with. And while case studies have a place, they're fine, they, they, they serve a specific need about kind of trust, um, they're not very good at generating like high value senior executive work because um, they're empty and devoid of the actual thinking that went on. And the reason that you get hired as a consultant, as an independent, is usually because of your thinking. It's usually because of your mental model of the world. And so the, the, the way to get executive sparring clients and the way to get any kind of client as an independent with good strategic work is to expose your thinking, right? which is much less about solutions and much more about problems. So some of the, some of the posts that I've written that have generated the most kind of inbound consulting work for me have not been solution posts. They haven't been, here's how to do X. They've more been like, here are five questions that I'm struggling with about media right now. And people, you know, someone will read that and be like, holy shit, I have the same five questions. I should hire this guy because he thinks like me. Um, that's the kind of mindset that, that, that I've kind of seen clients go through. Um, it's much less about like, oh great, he has the answers. And it's much more like, oh great, we can think we're on the same page. We have the same starting set of assumptions and the same worldview that lets us you know, create, tackle problems together. Great. And this clip is from Julia Lipton from episode 131, talking about the awesome people talent accelerator that she runs that helps people find their first clients as consultants. And what it works is you, you start by writing down all your key wins in your past jobs, then all the people that you've worked with in the past that love you. It, you take the key wins and you match it against the things you like to do. We call that your sweet spot, along with the things the market's willing to pay for. And you kind of define the sweet spot where you're like, hey, I'm really good at this. I like doing this. And oh, by the way, my friends are always asking me help for this. Like that's the sweet spot. And then you take that and you literally just say, hey, I am now a consultant offering XYZ for Y types of companies. And you send it to the list of people who like you and respect you and want to help you. And literally, that's what a launch looks like. Because most of these folks get all their business from their network to start. And it, it really is that simple. Uh, it's sometimes hard for people to do on their own, which is why we like doing it as a cohort. And also to have the guidance, like we help everyone define their niche, send out the emails, manage a lead pipeline, all of that. So it is very hands-on in its guidance. But at the essence, it really is just figuring out like, what do you love to do? And what are you really good at? Which of those things are people willing to pay for? And just telling people that this is what you do. And that seems to be the missing piece is telling people. You have to tell people. <laughs> you have to tell people. And like, there's a whole journey on like failure to launch, right? Like, I'm not good at this. What if no one pays for it? What if it takes to like there's a whole set of reasons why people don't launch but at the end of the day people are so amazed when they send these emails to their network and they start getting replies and there you have it folks you can go from starting conversations to finding clients um, as always 
These clips and these episodes are available on my website at Portfolio Career Podcast. Check out these episodes. Check out these amazing people and their work. Follow them, learn from them, connect with them. And who knows, maybe email them. As a reminder, uh, just one email away from next project, client, friend, etc. And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. And so excited for us to build and grow our portfolio careers together. <laughs>